This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. The worlds of credit cards and cryptocurrency coming together. We'll talk about that in our next segment. But right now, the latest statement and follow-up comments by members of the Federal Reserve are drawing scrutiny. Let's get insight from Bob Bresca, Chief Economist, Fact and Opinion Economics, based in New York. Bob, thanks for joining us today. Let's talk about uh, what the Fed uh, has to say about the state of the economy in 2022. Uh, they seem to believe that things are in uh, relatively good shape, but now it's time to uh, tame the inflation beast. Right. They're finally going to take some steps uh, in that direction. And uh, even so, the the Fed chairman is being very, very uh, circumspect about his discussion of the labor market. He keeps saying that, well, we're not at full employment, but all I can say is if this isn't full employment, I've never seen full employment. Um, We've got job scarcity. We've got jobs that can't be placed. We've got skill scarcity. Uh, we've got wages going up. Uh, we have the quit rate at the highest it's ever been. Uh, I don't know why the chairman is so reluctant to admit that we are at full employment because that's what this is. It doesn't matter where the unemployment rate is. Um, this is full employment. And uh, the labor market's tight and it's adding to inflation pressures. Is that one of those situations, though, if you're the Fed chair, you just don't want to pick a fight with economists over what the true meaning of full employment is? So you're just going to avoid the topic altogether? Yeah, I think he doesn't want to admit it's full employment because once he admits that, then the doors are open to raise rates and they don't want to raise rates until they're done tapering. So I think the best thing to do is just try to sweep it under the rug. But, um, you know... You have a hard time doing that and keeping your credibility. And that, that's the problem I have with this. Um, things are what they are. And whether you want to deal with them or not, uh, that's what they are. And um, we're at full employment, and we've got plenty of inflation pressure in the air. And, uh, and the Fed is only forecasting inflation is going to be 2.6% at the end of the year. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, they're really low-balling the inflation estimate for next year. So they're doing everything they can to try to get people to say, oh, well, you know, it's inflation now, but it's going to go away. And, yeah, we're going to have to raise rates a little bit. But look at this. It's nothing special. Uh, I think this is going to turn out to be another terrible Fed forecast. And then, uh, I mean, the other complicating factor in 2022 when when doing any forecast is the uh, trajectory of a thing that you are tussling with personally, and that is uh, the COVID-19 virus. First off, how are you doing? And second, um, you know, at this point in the pandemic, uh, how do economists and how do traders kind of price in uh, the, their risk assessment here? Yeah, well, it's hard to do. Yeah, New York has had its um, its infection rates double in the last three days. So that that's pretty incredible. And so, uh, you know, my whole family has gotten caught up in this. We all tested positive. And uh, so we're, 
for a lockdown and just waiting it out. Um, but, uh, you know, it, 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 different people get different reactions to COVID and some people get terrible reactions. This, this, uh, Omicron variant, um, looks to be highly transmissible, but, but very mild. It's you know, like having a mild flu or cold. And so it's uh, something you can really sort of deal with, but you have to stay home because if you go out, you can infect people. So uh, you're really stuck once you get it, uh, you're out of circulation. Well, Bob, uh, feel better. Uh, hope you're uh, on the mend. Bob Bresca, Chief Economist, Fact and Opinion Economics, based in New York. Compounding your interest with an economy of words. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. Cryptocurrency-based credit cards are emerging from several startup companies. Let's get the latest from Matt Schultz, Chief Credit Analyst with LendingTree, based in Austin. Matt, thanks for joining us today. Uh, first off, you know who are who's jumping into the uh, crypto credit card space, and how does it work for you as the consumer? Well, there's there's a lot of interest in crypto when it comes to credit cards, and there are plenty of options out there. Um, Crypto.com has a debit card that they're offering, Venmo, SoFi, BlockFi, Coinbase. Uh, companies like that are offering rewards in crypto, but it is important to understand before you apply for that card exactly how these cards work because it's not necessarily as straightforward as your simple cash back or hotel points or miles. If you want to jump into this space, uh, what do you as the consumer need to know and uh, what level of uh, comfort uh, is required with uh, cryptocurrency and how it works before you actually uh, uh, sign up for a crypto credit card? Well, it's a pretty good idea to have uh, to be pretty comfortable with crypto before you um, before you apply for these cards, just for the simple fact that with any financial transaction, the more you know, the better off you'll be. But it's especially important because there are potential tax implications for these rewards cards. And also there are often options as to which types of cryptocurrency you, uh, you get those rewards in. So the more you know, the better off you'll be. With a traditional credit card, the credit card company effectively lends you money to uh, cover a purchase, then you pay it back at the end of the month. Uh, whose cryptocurrency are you using when you have the crypto credit card? Well, and oftentimes you are um, you're connecting your crypto account with a particular company's card, and uh, and the truth is that sometimes what happens is that you're instead of being given crypto you're actually given points that you can then use to purchase different types of crypto so it, it really does make a difference as to which card you get and uh and and how you redeem as to how these cards are used and then lastly is this kind of a situation where as crypto evolves out of wild west territory and into a practical technology in the future is this one step in that evolution yeah absolutely this is a this is a baby step because people are still kind of figuring this stuff out including things like tax implications and that sort of thing but there's no question that there's interest in it 
both from the consumer side and the lender side. So anytime you have that, you know that there's going to be more of this available going forward. Thank you very much. Matt Schultz, Chief Credit Analyst with uh, Lending Tree, based in Austin, talking about the cryptocurrency credit card. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. The next step toward a casino in Chicago has been taken with the competitors making their public presentations. Let's take a look at where things stand. With the help of Bob Reed, business writer and contributor, Chicago Magazine. Bob, thanks for joining us today. When you look through these proposals, uh, even if you are not a fan of gambling, uh, they're just impressive structures with an impressive array of features outside of the gambling space. You do have the one uh, that's going to be built over the old Illinois Central Railroad tracks across from Soldier Field. Uh, you have the one proposed uh, site on the 78, uh, that piece of old uh, railroad land on the south branch of the Chicago River that uh, is going to have a revival of Mr. Kelly's. There's just a lot of cool stuff in these casino proposals uh, that are in before the city council right now. What are they going to vote on? Amenities or, or uh, what the city can uh, can can get can pour into the coffers well rob that is going to be the huge question that will have to be dealt with because as you point out all of these have are different but they all promise some of the same things and that's job creation economic impact on the city and the surrounding neighborhood of where the project is and new revenue sources for the city of chicago primarily money that will go into the fire and police pension funds, which are currently underfunded and, and need additional money. You've got three developers, five projects, $1 billion and more for each of these projects. As you mentioned, you have Rivers, which is locally based. It's proposing to put one up at the Lakeside Center on McCormick Place. That would require uh, would not require as much heavy lifting uh, because it's already an existing uh, facility. They also are proposing the 78 in the South Loop, which is near uh, the Chicago River. You know, Rivers is saying that it's locally based and experienced because it runs the Rivers Casino and Displays. But Bally's, which is an East Coast-based company, is coming right back saying that it wants to put one up in the River West area where the Tribune Publishing Plant is. And it's looking at McCormick Place, as you mentioned, and that's a, a truck yard there. And then finally, you've got Hard Rock, which is the one central project that you mentioned. Uh, that is a speculative project right now, but they tried to knock down some speculation pertaining to financing, saying that the uh, Hard Rock proposal is shovel-ready and they'd be willing, uh, willing and able to go if they got the nod from the city. So these are all very uh, interesting and big-thinking plans uh city is going to have to look into it and decide whether each of these organizations has, one, the financial wherewithal to do it, the management moxie to carry it off, and to be really parochial, will it give Indiana a run for that casino money, which is going over the border from Chicago and making Indiana richer, and uh, money that uh, Mayor Lightfoot says should stay in Chicago. There's also, uh, you, of all these concerns, how many jobs will it create, uh, how much money is it going to generate for the city, Every single project, though, carries with it significant traffic implications. Um, the 78, you know, we're talking about, uh, can you, can you, can Roosevelt Road, uh, at that point in the South Loop, accommodate all of this casino traffic? The same thing with Lakeshore Drive. Yes, it can handle a Bears game, but that's eight times a year. Or the occasional convention. This would be continuous. And then you look back, you look at, uh, where Freedom Center is, you know, Chicago Avenue and Halstead, and go, oh my goodness, could, 
could could that accommodate uh, all of the traffic from a casino? And, and the answer to all of that right now is no. So there needs to be significant infrastructure improvements to make these things work. That's right. And the question is, who is going to be picking up the tab for that? Will that fall to the uh, uh, city taxpayers? Uh, is it something that the state would be willing to pitch in? Or are these private developers going to be uh, providing their share of it? Now, that's where, it, as you point out, it's going to get interesting because you can't just plop these things down. At some point, it has to integrate with the infrastructure of the city and the only way you can get a project like that up and running is to continue to improve the infrastructure uh, or find other ways to do it, maybe through mass transit or parking lots or whatever it may be. But whatever you're talking about, there's going to be a hit in terms of uh, traffic and congestion. Thanks a lot, Bob Reed, business writer, Chicago Magazine. The markets have been losing ground uh, all week long, and that volatility continues into today. Uh, they're mixed right now, though. The Dow down 365 points. The Nasdaq is up 53. Let's get some insight into trading today with Steve Esposito, executive director of Morgan Stanley Wealth Management based in Lake Forest. Steve, uh, you joined us in our 1020 segment, and we were talking about how uh, in 2020 and 21, and now 2022, uh, if you want to be a trader or work in the financial services industry, you have to be an armchair epidemiologist as well. Um, as you, as as traders, and just uh, evaluating the economy as a whole uh, is part of pricing in your forecast for 2022, you have to look at these new variants and also try to predict people's uh, risk tolerance as they uh, continue to interact with the economy, whether it's uh, going on vacation or just going into the office. Absolutely. Uh, thank you for having me back again. It's Yeah, there's so many moving parts right now. A lot of information, misinformation, a lot of uh, assumptions being made out there. So you're seeing reactions in the markets that are very violent. Uh, obviously very volatile, and I think uh, people need to just take a deep breath and look at where they think we'll be in a year from now or two years from now or three years from now and what where the economy will be and then fill in the blanks from there. Um, I just Since we talked earlier, I saw a, a news break come out uh, out of London, Reuters. Britain's health security agency said on Friday there were 65 patients in England's hospitals with Omicron with the number of deaths from COVID-19 variant unchanged at one. So this is where it is, where it kind of really opened up, it was there, and that's the news I actually saw right after we spoke. So that's, you know, that's, this is not good, what's going on, but the question is, how long will it last, how bad will it be? And as we talked also, Scott Gottlieb came on and thinks this may be the, the blow-off phase. He called it, uh, you know, uh, the, maybe this is going to be done, and this when it's all final done, we could be just looking at an annual flu-type situation. So let's hope that what is, and nobody, uh, nobody dies. But um, the market's reacting pretty violently to this, so we'll see how we go. But I do think there's, there's opportunities for the investor looking out a year or two. Uh, in many of the uh, cyclical stocks that are taking it on the chin today. And then how do we interpret this uh, kind of final week of trading? It's been very volatile this week, but uh, starting at 3 o'clock Central Time this afternoon, a lot of auto out-of-office messages are going to be set up in email systems in businesses across the entire country as uh, everyone just starts heading out for the holidays. So what, what can we expect for the rest of this year? And also taking a little, like, you know, taking a peek into January of 22. Uh, again, I think it'll be choppy, especially during the holidays. You have that because not as many people around. I'll be here, so you know that. Um, and I think that's what you've got to look at. But again, I, I really emphasize investors need to focus on not so much noise, 
as to where we're going to be in a year. And so I think it's going to be choppy, but you'll see some tax loss selling, which will continue through the end of the year, which I like this part of the time of the year to buy the bargains, the ones that they've jettisoned in for tax losses, and be able to go in there and pick up some bargains in the market. So this is one of my favorite times of the year to be doing some buying, looking out a year or two. And then, Steve, very quickly, just evaluating uh, economic growth in 2021, um, how would you say uh, the economy progressed, given our predictions a year ago at this time? You know, the, the analysts haven't been correct on any of it. So the, the economy's done really well, considering the uh, the tasks at hand going forward. And I think it's actually getting better as we go forward, as we come out of this and confidence returns and the supply chains loosen up, and they will, and people go back to work, and that'll happen. So I think that's all going to come back to some degree of normal next year, and I think the market will then react accordingly. So I'm optimistic. I'm, um, I think it's going to be a, a much better than expected year next year. Well, thanks for joining us, Steve Esposito, who is the executive director of Morgan Stanley Wealth Management based in Lake Forest. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role like me. In a given month, over 70 percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Money Talks as the WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Entrepreneur Friday and this afternoon the spotlight's on a Midwest-based tire and car service chain that's expanding into the Chicago area and Illinois. We welcome in Don Barnes who is the president of Bell Tires based in Allen Park, Michigan. Uh, Don, thanks for joining us today. Uh, 100 years old. Uh, Bell Tire has been around for a century. Uh, what took you so long to get into Illinois? Was it a matter of doing a, a century's worth of due diligence hi rob uh, yeah thanks for having me um yeah illinois we're, we're excited to expand into illinois and, and kind of why now is uh we've we've really kind of taken michigan by storm over the last call it uh, 95 years and, and have grown throughout michigan most recently through indiana and chicago and illinois was just more of a natural fit uh contiguous tour we already have uh existing locations and 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 uh Another thing that we really love about the Chicagoland market is that there are a bunch of Michiganders that are kind of transplants into Illinois. There's a lot of families going back and forth. Uh, and, and from a familiarity standpoint, Chicagoland, uh, we thought was a great market um, that was underserved. And we're excited to bring our, uh, our, bring our business model to Chicagoland and, and help all of the natives get their uh, vehicle back on the road fast and affordably. Yeah, it's, it's, it's safe to say uh, Bell Tire has uh, a Big Ten footprint, uh, Michigan, Ohio, Indiana, and uh, now in Illinois. Um, how has the tire market and the automotive repair market changed, not only over the last 100 years, but over the last 30 years? So the, the biggest thing is really more about the, uh, I'll say, uh, skew proliferation. So there are more and more different size tires. Vehicles are becoming more and more complex. So it's just more of the complexity of the vehicles, the complexity of the tires, um, and, and that's really been the biggest noticeable change. What really hasn't changed is really kind of our outlook on it. Um, you know, we we look at ourselves as really more of the problem-solving business. Um, you know, we, we take pride knowing that people have problems, uh, and they come to us uh, to help solve their problems. It just happens to be with their vehicle. So... Um, you know, one thing that we've done over the last hundred years is continue to evolve and, and uh, you know, get better with times. 
and we're excited to kind of bring our bring our model to to Chicago and and serve like I said serve our neighbors get them back on the road fast and affordably um, and knowing that um, you know when they when they come to us you know they're in distress and 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 have an issue and we want to again we want to be empathetic and get them back on the road and and do it just one customer at a time. Now you mentioned that uh, you know the part of the the the, the customer base you're trying to reach in Illinois are displanted or uh, transplanted Michiganders, people who grew up around Detroit or Ann Arbor, uh, who want to uh, get that level of hometown service in an Illinois location. Uh, If you do talk to somebody from Michigan who's very excited that they're here, what are they going to say? What attributes are they going to play up when they say, oh, Bell Tire is now here in Naperville? Yeah, well, first we want all of we want all of Chicagoland's business. Um, you know, one of the things that made Chicago a fit was the familiarity of uh, of Bell Tire in the area. But if you were to ask, um, you know, a Michigander, uh, whether it be in Chicago or Michigan or wherever, one thing that I think will hold true is the level of customer service that we provide. You know, so many companies say that you know their their differentiator is their people, and I know when I say you know our differentiator is our people, I know it to be true because. You know, like, you know, like I said, we're not, we don't look at our business as being in the tire business or being in the auto repair business. We're in the people business. And we understand that, you know, people, you know, have, have tough times. People have, uh, if you come into a Bell Tire and need new tires or brakes, it's usually something that's not expected. It's something that you kind of have that, you know, oh crap moment. And what we want to do is we want to be there for you. And, and we look at our customers, not as customers, but our, as our neighbors. These are the people that are, you know, living next door to us. And these are the people that we want to make sure that they can get to and from work safely. And, and in times like this, we want to do all that we can to build that trust and build that confidence that they can take uh, their vehicle to any of our locations. And, and like I said, we'll get them back on the road fast and affordably. Well, thanks for joining us today. Don Barnes, president of Bell Tires in Allen Park, Michigan, coming to the Chicago area. Actually, it's already here uh, with some uh, locations in uh, Naperville and elsewhere in suburban Chicago. Information to make cash and save cash. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Restaurants in the Chicago area and beyond face the prospect of restrictions and possible closures as another wave of COVID-19 sweeps across the country. Let's get an update from Ali Maradi, who is the restaurants and retail reporter, Crane Chicago Business. Ali, thanks for joining us today. A funny tweet that came across the transom today uh, saying congratulations to COVID-19 for being renewed for a third season. Uh, very fun. By social media standards, but if you're a restaurateur, uh, not funny at all. Not funny at all, no. <laughs> what? How? How are uh, restaurants in Chicago? How have they been doing uh, since most of the uh, restrictions were lifted? Uh, those that did survive, and uh, how are they viewing the uh, Omicron wave, which seems to be uh, washing across the country? Yeah, so it's interesting. It's been a real mixed bag. Um, there are some that still haven't reopened, some, some restaurants downtown, like Rosebud there on Dearborn, um, for example. But we've also seen new restaurants opening up. I'm working on another story about that right now, too. Um, there's a few that I spoke with, you know, yesterday and this morning for the story I just wrote that um, have been affected by positive COVID cases in the past week or so among their fully vaccinated staffers. Breakthrough cases, usually they're getting them outside of work. 
a kid's getting it at school and bringing it home, that sort of thing. Um, but they're still having to face these shutdowns. And it looks a little bit different than the restaurant shutdowns in the early days of the pandemic, where if one of your staffers got a positive case, you were shutting down for two weeks, everybody could quarantine. And that's something that these restaurant operators are trying to figure out right now, right? It's how do we um, how many days do we need to shut down for? How many negative tests should we require from our exposed staffers before they come back? That sort of thing. Um, and, you know, the, there are two restaurants I spoke with that have shut down in the past week for just a few days, hopefully. That's their hope. Um, and they are restaurants that, you know, just recently reopened indoor dining. So they're sort of struggling with, do we close indoor dining again? Do we require proof of vaccines? How exactly do we proceed with this since it looks like it's going to be part of our lives for the foreseeable future? Is there any indication from the city or state that they are considering shutting down indoor dining again? Uh, there's been no uh, outward sign of that yet, but are are there rumblings that, that that's possibly under discussion? There's not. You know, I talked to Sam Toya, who's the head of the Illinois Restaurant Association, and he said that he's hearing that this is happening in Miami, other cities, and New York Times did a story about this, too, where restaurants are having to temporarily shut down. And no, in the city of Chicago, those restaurant operators um, are at the table. That's what Sam Toya told me, but that there haven't really been any discussions. You know, we've had a lot of discussions around whether Chicago will require businesses to um, look at some sort of vaccine passport. That's what New York is doing. But city leaders have said that they're not considering that, at least not yet. But it's definitely something we're going to be watching. Ali Marotti, restaurant and retail reporter, Crane Chicago Business. Thank you for the update on uh, the latest COVID wave and how it will impact the restaurant industry. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to AtBat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.